You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a space dedicated to inspire, teach, and heal through the power of story, resilience, and vulnerability. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, personal brand strategist, and the founder of Untamed Lifestyle and Business. Each week, I'll be bringing to you guest entrepreneurs, artists, authors, speakers, and influencers, and a series of real, raw, and unfiltered conversations around the courage to be yourself, the audacity to embrace your life and business, and how to speak your truth. Today we have an amazing guest I'm so thrilled to bring to you, Guy 3 Pierre Sammy. She has a beautiful story about resilience, about battling racism, and being a woman of color. She is a full-time lawyer and compliance manager at one of the major Australian banks. Feeling this deep desire and this need to empower women, during the birth of her first son, she founded her company, Baby Peppers which is a company that ethically handcrafts quilts and bedding and blankets. Um, But her brand became so much more than that. It really became synonymous with empowering um, women, motherhood, and really creating financial freedom for women and mothers who often have been victims of domestic violence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Brand Interrupted Podcast. Today we have Guy 3 and I'm so excited because she has so many nuggets of gold to share with us. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Brittany? I'm good, despite this really loud construction that's happening out my window right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> that's okay. It adds, you know, it sort of adds to the ambience. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, tell us a little bit, there's so many things in your story that I want to touch on, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. What's the magic that you bring to the world? Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, well, I'm actually, um, on my second maternity leave at the moment. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And, um, I guess, um, I think the greatest thing that I always wanted to do was, um, to make a genuine impact in the lives of my family and others as well, um, which is the reason why I've started my business. And um, I guess the magic that I want to bring to the world is, you know, I want to sort of infuse people with positivity and lots of um, encouragement to just go out there and do their thing. What would you say are three moments that shaped you and maybe just start with one and just take me back to one of these moments that changed your life. I know you had a few things in your notes here, like being a woman of color, racism, school, yep. like take me back yep. to these moments. Okay, cool. Um, I think my childhood and teenage years were probably the hardest because I grew up in a really toxic atmosphere, you know, fraught with some serious social issues like um, racism, schoolyard bullying, and workplace bullying as well. And this made me grow up with zero self-confidence, and I had the lowest self-esteem ever. And, and, you know, naturally this made me really introverted, and I was very reclusive. I found it very hard to involve myself in group settings. Um, And I think in hindsight, my education was really mediocre as well, because I just felt I couldn't perform my best at all. Um, and then I got this amazing opportunity to pack my bags and move to Australia to, um, study my bachelor of creative arts. And it's, you know, I was so nervous in, you know, doing that, but it's really the best thing that I've ever done for myself. 
I've never looked back since. Um, it's, you know, it's been great because I had the best support network and opportunities just opened up for me. Um, and I think I've really achieved a lot in the last 12 years that I've moved here. Um, and yeah, so I think that's pretty much, um, what I would say in terms of my childhood and teenage years. For the, for the listeners that don't know, tell us where you're from originally. Uh, okay. Um, so I'm originally from Singapore. So Singapore uh, was my hometown. That's where I grew up. Um, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone else's experiences. These are purely my own experience. So, you know, just as a disclaimer, I don't want anyone, you know, to feel like, you know, I've offended them or anything like that. Um, this is just purely my own experience. Um, and growing up was really tough for me in Singapore. Um, but I think it's really shaped me because it's, you know, it's all these experiences have just made me really resilient. And as soon as you get a support network, you know, the achievements that you can explore with are just limitless. You know, you're just opened up to a whole new world. Um, and, you know, it, the, the greatest thing is just to surround yourself with positive people who just keep sort of cheering you on um, and sharing your struggles and pain. And that sort of really, you know, puts you in, in perspective and helps you move on in life. Yeah, totally. What would you say, like, what were some of the things that, because I think a lot of people can relate to bullying and I think even like yep. look at cyberbullying today in the way, yep. like kind of the landscape of the online world, um, which is, yep. you know, I had been relatively new to, um, yep. grew up with the internet, but it was not at all the way it is today <laughs> when I was yeah, younger. That's right. Yeah. But I want to talk about some of those things because you talked to, you said how it made you like in, introverted, yeah. and, you know, not doing the things you wanted and just like in hindsight, feeling mediocre and yeah. like, I want to go back to that moment because I think these are things that people can really relate with. Like, I think if you know my story or the listeners who probably know my story, cause I bring it up. Um, from time to time is like being bullied in school was like the very thing that silenced me. Yeah. One of the things that silenced me and one of the struggles I had to overcome and the only way yep. to, to heal that was to just open that can of worms. And yep. quite frankly, I have a lot of people on social media, uh, these people from school that I, like I know their names, I can still see their faces and they follow me. Yeah. Yep. They can hear, they can listen to my podcast. They can watch my stuff. And yeah. I'm detached from that now, but, um, yeah. What were some of the things that like, what were people saying to you? How do they make you feel? What was going on? Yeah. So it's always been about, you know, the color of your skin. So, um, Singapore has four different races. Um, so we've got, um, the Indians, the Chinese, um, we've got the Malays, um, and, um, we've got sort of like the others, like, you know, Caucasians and Eurasians. Um, so we've, we are naturally as Indians, I naturally fell in, you know, as a minority. So we were just 7% of the population. Um, and there was always this divide, like, you know, there was always this racial segregation, which I just hated. Um, and I think it just played up on people. The majority of the people were Chinese. So it just played up in people's minds and this racism started way back in kindergarten. So, you know, we were in kinder and, and, you know, you know, people said mean things to us. Like, you know, if I touched a, a, a girl's shoulders, she would be like wiping it off, you know, and, oh and yeah, yeah, it was just terrible. And, you know, people just, 
people just being really, you know, vile and aggressive to, and, you know, at that age, you don't understand why, but then as you grow up, you realize it's, it's only because of the color of my skin, because, you know, she treats everyone else better than me, but, you know, it's just because I'm sort of darker skinned. I was always sort of pushed into this corner. And I think the ones that really got out of that was the ones that really stood up to bullying. Um, and it's, that's, that's something that I could never do. I was just silenced all the time. And, and I think it's just because of the way I grew up, like my parents, um, I wouldn't say that my parents were conservative, but they were just like the most amazing people. And, you know, they hated confrontations. Um, you know, so they, they, they raised me to be someone really um, polite and, you know, just giving. And, and even when I told my parents about all these bullying episodes, they kept telling me to just, you know, sort of um, not really deal with it, but they just kept telling me it's okay. It's going to get better. Mm. You know, you'll just be fine. And, you know, I wish they told me the opposite. I wish they told me to stand up and, you know, just to face with it, you know, but um yeah, so it was really hard because and it, and I and 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 as times you know sort of progressed, I felt like I couldn't really talk to my parents about these anymore because they would just give me this sort of you know this peace and you know this peace talk, this peace and negotiation sort of talk, but not something that you know I need to stand up and deal with. So um, and yeah, I became really isolated in my journey, and I knew there were others going through the same thing in my school. But, you know, and they were getting silenced as well. So, you know, some of us would actually group together and we found comfort in, you know, in sort of understanding what was going through. And but this was much later. This was probably in my teenage years. But when I was in my primary school years, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, you know, I just felt really, I don't know, little and I felt like I could never belong in anything. Um so it was the friends that I made, the very, very little friends that I made um, that really have supported me and helped me get through what I did. And, you know, some of them are still my friends still now. But but you're right, you know, I'm just, you know, as you were telling me about the friends that follow you, I know people would be listening to this podcast as well and they would be like, God, I know that girl and I know what she went through. So it's just amazing, you know, how everything comes back full circle. It's just amazing. Mm, yeah, I I recently did an energy healing. Um, what was it like two weeks ago now? And yeah, I had to kind of like release some of that shame because even as you were speaking, like I had similar conversations with my parents when I was younger. I don't know if they knew that I was being bullied. I don't think I really yeah. told them until I was much older. Yeah, um, but then they would say kind of similar things like just ignore it. Just stay focused on your work. Yes. Like I would be very focused on my work. I had like amazing grades and I was very smart, but yeah. I never had friends. And that was kind of like my big wound is like, yeah, I'm going to be at the top of the mountain all alone. <laughs> like I have no friends. Yeah. But yeah, I was doing this, this energy healing and I was trying to kind of release those people that, um, had hurt. Was holding you back. Yeah. And I, you know, I see like on Instagram stories, for example, you can, you can see who's watching your stories. Yes. Two girls who made my life a living hell when I was 12 and I, and every day it's like, they're always watching my life. And I'm like, I'm like, why? Like, why? 
<laughs> why do you care kind of thing because you've you know you've achieved what they couldn't ever achieve you've just you know you've broken out of you know that stagnation you've broken out of that you know that negative circle and you're just someone so beautiful now and you know they look at that and they're like god i wish i was like britney you know i don't know what happened in my life so um that's the only thing i can think of because that's actually happened to me recently as well like i've had people um as soon as I started my business, I've had people unfollow me and block me on social media platforms. Wow. So I don't know why either. And then I was talking to another friend and that's exactly what she told me. She said, they are projecting their own insecurities mm-hmm. um, and negative energy onto you because they feel like, you know, you've achieved what they could never achieve. And so, yeah, so it's just, it's just amazing. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad because, you know, you sort of get, um, you know, drilled into this whole community of a competition thing, but then people start competing with you and, you know, they hate you and yeah, it gets really aggressive sometimes, but, but you move on because you haven't done anything wrong and you've just trying to rebuild your life and you move on and you just focus on what's important to you. And that's, what's going to get you through life, I reckon. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like everything I wanted them to acknowledge me for when I was younger like, yeah, it's one of this, I talk in like detail of what happened and everything I wanted them to acknowledge. I see now, like they are watching me, like they might like say it out loud, but I know they see me for who I am now. So yes, it come full circle, but yeah, um, I want to talk about like this, you know, it's something that's kind of always boggled my mind. And I wonder like, are kids like, is it cultural? Is it innate? Like when kids are bullying other kids at school, like, Mm. you know, where does that come from? And is it, is it just ignorance? Is it them just not, is it human nature? Is it like, what are your thoughts on this? I think a lot of it comes from home, like from the, you know, from the circle that they're being raised in. Um, and a lot of them come from broken homes, you know, they just don't have the family, um, you know, family connection. Um, you know, they just don't have that, I don't know, that positivity in their lives. And so they project that aggression onto someone else and they make them feel small and that's how they make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. I'm look, I, it took me years to understand this because I have been, you know, like I've been, like, I've been a victim of bullying. So it took me years to understand why is this happening? Because I haven't done anything wrong, but I know a lot of it stemmed from my race. Like I know a lot of it just stemmed from the the mere fact that it was the color of my skin. Um, and that really bothered me. And, you know, it just felt like I can't live my life here anymore. And, but then it's, it's kind of strange because as you grow older, you realize that it happens everywhere because I had, I was a victim of workplace bullying as well. So um, you know, you realize, you think that people grow up and they sort of, you know, you know, break out of all this thing. They think it's just childish, but it happens in the workplaces. You know, I was, I was in my teens, I think I was probably 19 or 20 when I started work and, um, yeah. And I faced it there as well because, you know, it, I think, I think a lot of it just comes from the kind of person they are. I think they are wounded, um, you know, they're deeply wounded by something and there's some kind of a significant hold in their lives that they just feel has to be filled and they just project all that negative energy onto you. I can't really explain what it is, but I think it's, it's really something that comes from within a person. 
Yeah. I always wondered if it was, um, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion now. It's almost like we need to teach our children how to love and respect themselves and others. Yeah, definitely. Like I grew up in, I'm Canadian and I grew up, I mean, Canada is very multicultural. And so I kind of grew up like just very, very ignorant to racism because I just, I never saw it. And it was only when I moved to France and I realized this is like a global issue, but it it makes me think like, could we not teach our children to, um, it's not even tolerance. I, I can't find the word I'm looking for right now. Um, because I, have you ever seen those examples of like, you see like the two young kids and they don't see color. So it's not this thing. Like exactly it's, right. Um, I'm trying to find, it's not tolerance, but there's a word I'm looking for, but, um, it's almost like the parents, us are not a parent yet, but like teaching our, our children how to treat each other with like love and kindness. Yeah. And, yep. And yeah, that's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot has changed now as well, because I mean, like, you know, back, back when we were growing up, like I didn't have any support network, but I think there's heaps of support networks now. So even if someone felt like they were being bullied in school, you know, there is someone that they could go and reach out to. And, you know, even if they wanted to remain anonymous, they'll get the help they need. You know, there's a lot of things going on in schools right now, but yeah, but I, I don't know. We somehow just managed and we just grew up and, um, you know, we came out of that, that whole, um, you know, that whole negative thing. But yeah, but um, yeah, but I think, yeah, you're right because it's just about teaching the kids, you know, we don't even have to teach the kids about what races, you know, there is or what race there is or what colors, you know, people are. It's just about, you know, being good to everyone and, you know, and, and for standing up for what's not right. Like, it just bothers me that, I don't know, I think, I don't know what's happening in curriculums now. Like, my, my, my kids are too young to go to school, but I think there is an active curriculum where people are teaching them about racial and, you know, racial stereotypes and, um, you know, racial studies and all that, which I think is not even necessary because everyone's the same, everyone's human, and, you know, you've got to just teach your kids to do the right thing and, you know, just be friends. You know, it's exactly like what you're saying. In, in, the, in, the, color, in the ad, the kids don't see colours. Mm-hmm. They, they just see a boy or a girl and they just start playing. So, yeah, it's just... Yeah. It's definitely taught. Like, I'd have to yeah. really sit down and kind of, like, look at my childhood and... and yeah take note of those times because like there were times where I would learn things or not learn them, but I would hear things like whether it be from adults or movies or media or like whatever. Um, So it was really something that, and then it boggled my mind because when I moved to France, like they're so patriotic here and like nationalists that um, they're very hostile and aggressive towards Um, foreigners like the the, expats yeah like the Arab community um, yeah because certain countries had been colonized by France but I was just like completely blown out of the water like how how aggressive and like I just I don't know I had not witnessed that before so it was kind of something that I, I like I felt like I had been living in a bubble before yeah because I'm like what's racism and you know like yeah. it 
how silly to say something like that, but yeah, um, very eye opening here. So I like to help people. I like to see how we can be empowered in things. And so, where would you say that you were most? What was it in you that made you susceptible to uh, the bullying yep. in all on all spectrums, like from childhood to adulthood? That's a great question. Um, and honestly, like it's so hard because yeah, I have to sort of go back and really, yeah, sit down and think about what actually happened at that time. But I think what's really made me susceptible to this is, um, sorry, I think I'm getting, sorry, you might've edited this. Are you asking me how I became resilient or how, why do you think I've actually been a victim of bullying? Yeah. Why, why do you think that you were a victim or susceptible to that? Oh, um, I think what, you know, really sort of made me um, a victim is just the mindset that I've had and just the way that I was, you know, I've, you know, I grew up really, you know, with zero self-confidence. So I was really timid. I was very meek. Um, And if something was thrown at me, I would just accept it, you know, without questioning it. And um, I guess I was really blinded by what was going on. And I just told myself, this is the way it's going to be. And I have to accept it. Um, I think this, um, Probably this, um, you know, this whole concept of over-accepting, like, you know, just accepting whatever's thrown at you, that's probably what's, you know, made me sort of um, be victimized all along. Um, you know, just never stopping to question what's going on. Just and, and possibly the fact that, you know, I felt like I didn't have a support network as well. Like, I just felt like this is what I have to go through this is my acceptance. This is my destiny sort of thing. So I just got to go through it with it and deal with it and just come out of it. Um, but it's funny because like, um, my brother, you know, he knew all of this was going on. He's five years older to me. He knew all of this was going on, but he really braved through school in an amazing way because he channeled his emotions differently. Um, he grew up a little bit aggressive and, um, you know, angry, And I think people saw that as a deterrent and they didn't actually, um, you know, they, like he didn't become a victim of bullying or anything like that. People stayed away from him because they knew that, you know, he would just be aggressive to that towards them. Um, he's a wonderful person, but you know, all these social issues made him very angry, um, growing up. And, um, so I think, I guess people have a different way of doing things and, and dealing with things. And I think it's just the way we channeled our emotions. Like I channeled it in a very different way. I channeled it as a very giving and accepting sort of way. And I just took whatever that came at me, but my brother sort of threw it back at them and he would be really aggressive and angry with them. So mm-hmm. I guess that's how you sort of dealt with it. Yeah. And people look at, you know, being meek and timid, that's just, that's a huge weakness. That's a huge no, no. So, you know, as soon as people see that you're not going to stand up to them, they just keep continuing because it makes them feel good. Um, And they just keep going on. They they never stop to question if what they're doing is right, you know, because kids are kids, you know, they just don't understand what's going on. They just think it's, it's cool to, you know, to bully someone or say something nasty to that person. They don't stop to think what's going to, how it's going to, you know, how it's going to hurt them or what it's going to mean to the little kid. They don't have time for all this, but, yeah, but um, but the moment they see you, feel, you know, being silenced, and they they see that you're, you know, you're you're really alone in your journey. They sort of that's their target, really. 
they start targeting you and they start, you know, coming at you. Mm. I got this kind of sense of like having to just settle, like, and I think that's a big thing that people yep. just think we have to settle. Like we just think this, this is our reality. This is our destiny and that we can't change things. That's right. Um, and it took me, and it took me years and years to figure out that that was all, you know, whatever I had been living in Singapore was all a lie. Because when I came to, when I came, when I came to Australia, everything changed. Like this whole concept of, you know, um, acceptance and racism and everything was just so different. I'm not saying Australia doesn't have its flaws. You know, I think every country has got its flaws, but it's just different because when you come to Australia, you think, Oh my God, everything that you had been fed and you were living was all a lie. You know, you don't have to live. You don't have to live a life of bullying. You don't have to live a life as a racist victim. You don't have to live this way. People actually accept and love each other and are really supportive. Um, and, yeah, it took me years for me to actually realize that until I moved countries. I guess it's the same for you. Like, you know, you were sort of ignorant to racism, but when you moved to France, you realized, wow, you know, things can be so different. We definitely learned about it in school, but I grew up, um, like, can I, I've been out of the country for 10 years now, but um, it, it's very much changed, but I grew up in like a like a very much like white community. So I didn't even like, I just didn't even know. And it wasn't like my fault. Like that's just the city that I grew up in and the circumstances I grew up yeah. in. <laughs> the irony is that like yeah. growing up in that community, like that's where I felt like I faced on my own level, like just yeah. worst things from like, I say this with air brackets, like, you know, my um, race, like, they did this to me and I've like found more comfort and just like expanding my network and speaking to people of all color and not even trying to label it that way because, and people do get mad at me when I say this, I'm like, I don't see color, but that's okay. Like, I'm just going to let people label me now because I know what my truth is and yeah. I, I don't mean it in, in the way that, um, that people perceive it. <laughs> that yeah, way. that's right. Yeah. So what would you say is the thing that you had to let go of to step into this version of yourself today? What did you have to heal in yourself? Yeah. Um, so in terms of healing from within, I think I had to make the hard realization that I don't have control over what happens, but you have full control over how you can react or respond to whatever happens to you or whatever situation you find yourself in. And I think that's what's really helped me to rebuild my life. I sort of always operate in the philosophy of don't look at it as rejection, look at it as a redirection. Ooh. And <laughs> I think, it's, yeah, I think I, because I think it's incredibly important that you don't get bogged down in all this meaningless contemplation, negative, you know, situations, but rather, you know, start redirecting your energy and focus into building something meaningful for yourself. And I think especially, you know, being a mom, I think it's incredibly important for me to, you know, keep my sanity and well-being in check to fully embrace myself, not just as a mom, but also as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. because there's just so much, you know, it, you know, as a mom, you just play so many different roles in your daily life. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that's what's really helped me because, you know, just helped me to redirect my focus and, you know, not just not get all, you know, panicky and or, or stressed out, you know, in terms of, you know, when you get a rejection, but just to get that, um, you know, just to get that more focused for yourself. 
it, it's funny, but I think you'll really relate to this, but the only way that I've dealt with my introversion was actually to put myself out there more. Mm. Um, you know, because the more you, you're, the more you're in business, the more I've realized that there is really no way around this. If you truly want to make a genuine impact in the lives of others, um, you know, the more I'm business, I'm realizing that it's completely okay to actually just put yourself out there, be raw and real and just show to people how broken you actually are. Like you're not perfect. You're just broken and you're trying to rebuild your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of this, I think I've cultivated an amazing online community on social media. Um, I've got a really, you know, a, a group of engaged followers that, you know, really share my struggles. They keep pushing me along. Um, and a lot of them have actually come forward after I've shared my own struggles in, with my growing up and, you know, you know, with my family and everything. Um, and this is, I think, this is how it has really helped me show up the best version of myself um, because this is who I really am. And it's so much easier to be just yourself than to be someone else that you don't even recognize. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How does your story fit into your business? How did those two worlds kind of collide? Yeah. Um, well, I would say that um, because of what I went through, I wanted to make sure that my business, um, you know, was built on a really solid foundation. And this was basically the purpose of giving and female empowerment. So um, the business has created hundreds of work opportunities for marginalized women who don't actually have a voice. Um, you know, the stuff that some of the stuff that we handcraft, they're handcrafted by women who work from the comfort of their own homes. Um, they work around the needs of their children. So they don't actually have to travel anywhere to actually um, handcraft the items. Um, and I think one of the biggest wins for us is also we've partnered with um, um, some women living in the slums of Chennai and basically um, they're disabled or um, a lot of them are actually um, victims of domestic violence and most of them are single moms. What they do is they actually hand weave um, our baskets and our totes. Um, and so the, the fair wages that these women get, you know, provides them with um, financial independence and hope for their children's future, you know, including being able to invest in basic needs like education, sanitization, good food, etc. So I guess where um, all of this ties in is, you know, basically I wanted to build a brand that gave people or the marginalized people a voice because I was once marginalized and, you know, I felt isolated in my own community as well. So I wanted to give these people a voice and for them to really basically just work and, you know, get a dignified income from what they're doing. Mm. Um, and, you know, you know, it's amazing what financial independence can do for you because the moment you start realizing that, wow, I can actually make money by doing something amazing, um, you know, your confidence levels, your, you know, your well-being levels, they all sort of just rise up and you start creating more and more energy and, and more and more um, focus into your business and, and also for, you know, whatever you're doing to help others as well. I love it. And I just love how, um, I, I love how, like, I can so clearly, like, even this is our first meeting, I can just see how, like, your story and your mission, everything kind of, like, ties together. Um, I just think it's so beautiful. Just for the listeners, just tell us um, super briefly what your business is. Um, okay. The, hand, the ethical handcrafted um, things, because yeah. they don't have that backstory. 
Um, so no worries. So I got started in business um, when I went on maternity leave with my first son. Um, it's funny because I always thought I would get into food or fashion, but motherhood really changes your perspective on a lot of things. Um, when I was shopping for my son, um, especially in relation to bedding items, I found um, I was very uninspired and disappointed um, by the low quality fabrics in generic stores. Um, I found a lot of good ones online, but they were really expensive. Mm. Um, so naturally being of Indian heritage, um, I thought about some of the things that we grew up with as kids and everything about the Indian textiles and artistry was about slow living and slow fashion. And I guess I really wanted to amplify that in some way and bring that back to life. Um, so I embarked on this whole new journey and um, there were lots of sleepless nights. I was researching and finding the best artisan workshops to work with. Um, and now I'm incredibly lucky because I've partnered with some of the best artisan collectives. And what they do is um, they handcraft um, you know, block printed textiles and um, bedding items and quilts um, and, you know, baskets and things like that. So, yeah, basically we we specialize in a lot of um, block printed textiles, um, but we also have a little bit of other handcrafted items as well that, you know, that could just um, uh, work as a nursery decor or, you know, they could even be just, you know, great for um, homeware decor around the house as well. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us how we can, how can we find you? Where can we find you online? How can we connect with you? Um, so we're available on all platforms. So we've got a website, which is babypeppers.com.au. Um, we're on Instagram, baby.peppers, and on Facebook as well, just as babypeppers. Um, and, and basically, I've got an email address as well. So it's just sales at babypeppers.com.au. So once you go on the website, you can find all the information. We've got all the social media handles there and the website and um, the email address. So I really hope that everyone will support us um, and especially me supporting me in my journey um, because investing in us truly means investing in the well-being of our artisans, especially the women that we work with um, and providing, you know, a great financial independence and and just a stable future for them because they can invest the money into their kids' well-being and into the children's future as well. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I think it's amazing. Um, I've heard a lot about you because I've heard you, um, I've found you through um, Beth Harper's um, community mm. and, um, and it's just amazing. And she said a lot of amazing things about you. So um, I'm so honored to be featured on your podcast and I really hope um, you know, this will be the start of a continued, um, continued um, relationship. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head on over to www.untamerevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free four-part video series all about using the power of story, vulnerability, and resilience to make an impact and grow your business. We'll see you next week on the show. Bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.